Um, last week was incredible, celebrated the resurrection um, of Jesus Christ, and uh, so much happened last weekend from Good Friday to Sunday and even an Easter egg hunt that we did at the community center on Saturday, and um, it was incredible, and church, thank you for your generosity in helping those things happen, and um, to everybody that came and served, thank you for showing up. Um, we had a grandmother tell us a story um, to one of our team members of just how grateful she was. She said, man, we don't see these kind of events happen for our kids in this community too often. And, um, and she said, as a grandmother, I know my kid's grateful, but as a grandmother, I'm super grateful that um, there's a place where my grandkids can be reminded that people love them, that people believe the best for them, and, um, and people see them the same way that God sees them. And, um, and so, church, thank you uh, for that. What an amazing, amazing time. And, uh, and then Paul brought an incredible message about the resurrection. I was telling him, I was like, man, you know, I've, I've been able to serve on different church staffs for the past um, almost 11, 12 years. And so you, you just, you know what, you, we know what the ending is, you know. And uh, so it's like, how do you keep telling the story when everybody knows the ending? And, uh, but I, I told Paul, I said, man, I, I've heard so many messages about the resurrection, um, but that one was challenging for me because I, I thought that Paul did an incredible job of communicating it in a way where, um, man, do I really believe that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is at work in my life every single day? And am I looking for that? Am I relying on that? And, um, and so it was an incredible word he brought last week, but this morning we're going to talk about um, something else because it doesn't stop with the resurrection. Um, Easter may be over and peeps may be dead. Um, thank God. Um, but Jesus is still moving. And, um, and so this morning what we're going to talk about um, is what happens after the resurrection. And so let me pray for us this morning. God, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. God, I thank you that you have overcome death and the grave. But I pray would you uh, open up our eyes and open up our ears to, to hear your voice this morning and your reminder that it doesn't end there. That it didn't just stop at the resurrection, but there's so much more that you have in store for your people, your sons and your daughters. And as we dive into your word this morning, would you help us to just see you in all of your glory, in the fullness of your presence and your power and your splendor and wonder. May we be in awe of who you are this morning, God. And I pray that you would have your way in this place. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Stephen. Can we give it up for Stephen? And... Um, this morning, we're going to talk about the ascension. The ascension. That's probably one of the biggest words I've used in a long time. I'm not joking. Uh, and uh, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to start in verse 6. And if you don't have your Bible, um, we're going to pray for you. And No, I'm kidding. We have it on the screen. It'll be behind me. But Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. And it says this, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? This is after the resurrection. So Jesus is back on the scene. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. 
that could be a message for somebody right there. I know that's a message for me sometimes. He's in the waiting. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And uh, as I was reading that passage this morning, when I saw that it said uh, two, two men dressed in white, I immediately thought of like the Backstreet Boys video, uh, I wanted that way. And uh, I don't know if they were wearing that, but that's where my head went. And then I had to pray and say, God, help me understand what you're trying to say. And so Jesus, through the power of his resurrection, is victorious. He is victorious over death and the grave. And, 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 and so Jesus has victory. But it doesn't end there. Because it's through his ascension, it's through Jesus ascending into heaven that he takes his rightful place next to the Father as Lord. So the resurrection proves that Jesus is our Messiah, that he is our Savior. But the ascension is our reminder and our sign that he is Lord, that he is King. And, um, and, and with that authority... Jesus as King and as Lord supplies us with a grace that is sufficient for every season and every circumstance. It's only from that place of authority that he can supply us with that grace. So the resurrection shows us that he's our Messiah, but it's the ascension that shows us he's our Lord. In Acts chapter 1, we see that he ascends to heaven, takes his place next to God, and I put myself in the disciples' shoes, if you're in that moment and you know that Jesus died, but then you see him and you're like, oh, he's back. This is awesome. We get to do life again. And then Jesus tells him, hey, man, I'm about to peace out. And I put myself in the disciples' shoes. I was like, man, Jesus, where are you going? Really? Like, already? I was wanting to, like, break some bread again and, you know, do all that stuff we did, heal some people, follow you. Go everywhere you go. I want you to be here. And, uh, and that's where I put myself in their spot. And I was like, man, I wouldn't want him to go. But Jesus knew the plan of the Father. He knew what he had to do. And, and, and I think that Jesus knew this. And so he tried to set his disciples up so that they wouldn't be uh, too concerned or, or too distraught. And uh, or too disappointed or feeling lonely, having FOMO. Like, man, where's he going in that cloud? I want to go. And uh, could you imagine if that if you were like standing there and that happened? I probably, honestly, I probably would run. Like, oh my gosh, there's a cloud that's going to eat me too. I'm gone. <laughs> and uh, and why, are, why are the Backstreet Boys here? Uh, <laughs> but I think Jesus could even sense a little bit that his disciples were not necessarily concerned, but confused. Um, and in the beginning of Acts chapter 1, in the passage that we read today, before we get to verse 6, and also found in Luke chapter 24, 
after teaching people and giving them the proof that he is the resurrected king, what Jesus does is he instructs them. He says, hey, don't leave here until the gift that my father has promised comes to you. Don't leave here. And it's the same thing that, that the prophet Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, where he declares that God will pour out his spirit on his people. And Tess and I do this all the time when we leave Jack. We say, hey, Jack, get in your kennel. If you get in your kennel, there's going to be a promise waiting for you when we get back. But we're not as good as God because we don't give him anything when we come back. <laughs> uh, but we love him. He's blessed. He's living a good life. And, uh, but have you ever been in that position where um, I remember being a kid, and if I didn't want to leave somewhere, but my parents wanted to leave, I immediately throw a tantrum. And uh, I was that kid in the grocery store where I wanted to stay at the grocery store. And so I was the kid that would stomp my feet. I would yell. I would scream. And um, my sister thought I was crazy. Um, but I did that. And then my mom, the only way that she could get me to calm down is to say, hey, if we leave, we get to go to McDonald's. And you can get a Happy Meal. And that's where it all started, guys. <laughs> that's where my whole journey of fast food started. McDonald's. Eating uh, the filet fish <laughs> And uh, all y'all saying, ew. But y'all know y'all done had it and liked it at some point in your life. Okay, don't judge me. I'll pray for you. And, um, but Jesus instructs the disciples. He say, hey, don't leave Jerusalem until the gift that my father promised come. And I wonder, even from that, how many of us have been in a place where we've gotten a word from God. And God tells us, hey, don't leave. Until this thing that I'm telling you, I'm promising you, comes here. But because we get impatient, because we try to play God for our own life, because we try to make things happen on our time and not his time, what if we actually end up missing out on the gift that God has for us? And so we end up in this other place over here where God told us to stay over there and wait and we're standing here wondering why we haven't received the promise. Jesus tells the disciples to, hey, wait for the gift that my father promised. And if you're taking notes this morning, uh, the first thing um, that I would encourage you to write down is this. Jesus had to leave so that we could receive. And he knew that. Jesus ascended that we might receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, verse 7, it says this, but here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager will not be released to you. But after I depart, I will send him to you. And some of y'all are thinking, man, I'm going to use that in my next argument. Hey, uh, I know we're having a disagreement right now. Uh, but here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away right now. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, that's what I say to Tess when we get in an argument. Hey, here's the truth. It is to your advantage that I leave right now so that the encourager can come to you. Uh, and it's not until I walk out of this room that I can, I can send him to you. So 
uh, what do you want to do? We can keep fighting or we, I can leave and I can send you the encourager. But Jesus is, is letting his people know it is to your advantage that I go. Isn't that, isn't that, and I think for some of us, if we put ourselves in that spot, that's kind of hard for us to comprehend. Because wouldn't you rather have the physical Jesus right next to you every single day than to have something that honestly is hard for us to see and feel and know and all of those things? But Jesus says it's to your advantage that I leave. And I think before we can experience the Holy Spirit and who he is, we have to know who he is. And if you're taking notes this morning, I just want you to write these two things down. The first thing is this. The first thing is this. The Spirit of God is not some impersonable force, but the Holy Spirit is a person. So it's not this just like gust of wind that doesn't know who you are, that doesn't know your name, that doesn't know the things that you love. It's not this just force, but the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, one with God the Father and Jesus Christ. And it will make a great deal of difference in our lives if we believe that we are being indwelt and led and purified by not uh, impersonal forces from a distant God, but by a person who in essence is the love of God. So how you experience the Holy Spirit in your life I believe, is determined by who you think he is. Do you think he's just some force that randomly blows a wind at you and knows nothing about you? Or do you believe that he knows everything about you, that he wants what's best for your life, that he knows the plan for, that God has for your life, and ultimately wants what's best for you because he, in essence, is the love of God. And, and the Holy Spirit is a counselor, like Jesus is, he is a person. The Holy Spirit is described not merely as a voice of God's teaching, but as a teacher in his own right. John chapter 14, it says this, The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things. It doesn't say that, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit was going to blow some wind and that wind's going to hit you in the face and then you're going to learn everything. But it says he will teach you. These things. The Holy Spirit is a person. John chapter 15 tells us that the Holy Spirit is a witness in his own right. When the counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. Unless we think that the Spirit is just the extending, ascended teaching activity of the Father and the Son, John chapter 16, verse 13, it says that the Spirit first hears. And then teaches. It says he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And so the Holy Spirit is not treated as a force or influence or activity of another person. But as a person in his own right. Hearing from the Father and the Son. And teaching and bearing witness to the world. And the Holy Spirit is God. It's not a creation of God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Spirit is of God, not because God created him, but because he shares God's nature and comes forth eternally from God. And when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, he comes not merely 
as the spirit of the Son, not merely as the spirit of the Father, but as the spirit of infinite love between the Father and the Son, so that we may love the Father with the very love of the Son and love the Son with the very love of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God, one with God the Father and Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The second thing I want you to write down this morning is the Holy Spirit is the gift of God for each of us, and through him, God is always with us. Think about when Jesus was still on earth doing his earthly ministry. Jesus couldn't be doing ministry in Brooklyn and then be doing ministry in South Africa. He couldn't. He physically could not do that. But through Jesus ascending into heaven for our advantage, sending his spirit, now he can be at work everywhere. Jesus is at work here in downtown Brooklyn. Jesus is at work right now on the Upper West Side. Jesus is at work right now in St. Petersburg, Florida. Jesus is at work right now in Manzini because he sent his spirit. And so now Jesus can be everywhere. And, and I, I, think it's, I think it's important for us to also know the Holy Spirit just isn't for pastors or leaders. He, he didn't just say, oh, yeah, I, I'm going to die on the cross and you can put your faith in my resurrection, but that's going to be it for some of you. But no, he ascended into heaven to send his spirit to everyone. To everyone. John chapter 14, verse 16, it says this, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. In the book of Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, God pours out his spirit. And uh, I would encourage you to read that story because it's incredible because some crazy stuff happens. And, uh, but on the day of Pentecost, God pours out his spirit on his people. And, and what we see happen in that passage in particular is, is he pours out his spirit and people are baptized in his spirit. And what we see is an expression of what can happen when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. People start speaking in tongues. And um, maybe you're here today and you're like, what is that? Speaking in tongues is when God gives you, through the power of his Holy Spirit, a powerful language to communicate with him, but also to intercede on behalf of the people around you. And I remember the first time um, my mom was praying, and, uh, and she started praying in tongues. Me and my sister, we ran downstairs, and I looked at my sister like, we need to call 911. <laughs> I, I think something's wrong. And my sister's like, okay, go get the phone. And, uh, and we, like, have the phone. And then we go to my mom, and we, like, tap her. And she, like, doesn't do anything. So we tap her again. And then she looks at us. She goes, why are you hitting me? Oh, you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, okay, we just thought something was wrong because you speaking, like, a language we've never heard before. She's like, I'm praying. It's like, cool, okay. Well, see, we don't need to call 911. You're good, okay. And... Um, but we see this happen, and it's, it's not anything to be weirded out by. It's not anything to uh, be uncomfortable with. 
Um, it is an expression of what happens when somebody is baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is not the only indicator, though, that somebody is baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it, is not, it does not make somebody else more significant. I want you to hear that. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, I want you to hear that. It doesn't make anybody more significant. God has different gifts that he wants to give to people. You know, like my gift is, is being able to eat a ton of fast food and uh, somehow still be able to look like this. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, thank you, Lord. I receive. And, uh, but no, but, but everybody has different gifts. And so I, what I want to encourage is, is, is maybe that's happened to you in the past where you didn't realize that being baptized in the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that you speak in tongues. That's an expression of what can happen. But it's not the only indicator. And so if you've been discouraged in the past because you haven't received that expression, I just want to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. You, your significance is not found in whether you can speak in tongues or not. Your significance is found in the fact that Jesus is your father and you are his son or his daughter. That is it. And, uh, but we see this expression happen in this passage in Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost. And, and people start freaking out. They're like, man, these people are drunk on wine. What are they doing? And they're freaked out because they know these people aren't from their nation. But they're speaking their language. And they're declaring who God is and what God has done. And so they're, they're edifying the body. They're bringing glory to God. And uh, Peter steps in because he realizes it's all chaos. And Peter steps in and he says, no, they're, they're, not, they're not drunk on wine. It's early in the morning. And you can't be drinking no wine in the morning. You're supposed to be drinking orange juice or apple juice. That's how Peter talks. I'm just letting you know. And, um, but Peter steps in and he says, no, 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 no. This isn't what, what's happening. And I love what Peter says. This is what he says. He says, no, they've just been filled with the Holy Spirit, and this is what the prophet Joel prophesied. But in Acts chapter 2, verses 36, 38, this is what he says. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So Peter's wanting them to recognize that we know that Jesus is alive again, but through the sign of his, his spirit being poured out, Peter knows that Jesus has ascended now. And now Jesus is taking his place as Lord. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Not just one of you, not just a few of you, but he says, Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God for each of us. And it's through that gift that God is with us always. And with the time that I have left, I got an hour left um, this morning. Um, uh, you try teaching on the Holy Spirit in like 35 minutes, okay? Um, uh, but the, whole, the, the, the time that I have left, I want to just give us two things that um, we know that the Holy Spirit is God. That he is one with the Father and the Son. That the Holy Spirit is the gift of God. For everyone. It's not just for some of us, but it's for everyone. And it's so that God can be with us always. 
And, 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 but I want to give us two things in the time that I have left that the Holy Spirit empowers us to do. And the first thing is this. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be Jesus' witness wherever we go. Notice that in the first passage that we read in Acts, um, in verse 6, in that passage, Jesus tells the disciples, hey, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And what immediately follows that? It says, and then you will be my witnesses. So what that tells me is the only way that I can be a witness of Jesus Christ is if I believe that the Holy Spirit is alive in me. There's, there's not a coincidence that those things are back to back like that. He wasn't trying to be cute or, you know, funny. But he's saying that, hey, the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be my witnesses. And so here's what, here's what we have to understand. Apart from the Holy Spirit being alive in my life, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I can do nothing. I love this quote from Corey Tim Boom. She says this, trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. You know what makes somebody a great witness in a court case is when they were there to see something or hear something. They experienced something. What good is a witness if they, they can't say that they saw this or heard this or experienced anything? You know, you ever had those friends who, who talk to you about a restaurant and they're like, oh my gosh, I heard this place is amazing. The food is great. Have you been? Oh, no, I haven't been yet. Are you going to trust their word? Are you, are, is that considered a great witness to you? When you talk to somebody, um, you know, who loves food and they've been to the Brooklyn Cider House and um, they've tasted that steak, let me tell you, let me tell you, that steak is just juicy. It is cooked to perfection, medium rare. When you cut it with the knife, the meat just, it just like, ugh, you know? But doesn't that sound like a better witness? You, you hear what I'm saying? There's a difference between somebody being a witness who's experienced something versus somebody who's never experienced the thing that they're trying to be a witness about. And so we can be a witness about Jesus only when we've experienced Jesus. And how we experience Jesus is through his spirit. So the Holy Spirit empowers us so that we can be Jesus' witnesses wherever we go. I got a good friend, Bobby. Some of you know Bobby. And I love Bobby. Bobby's a pastor here in the city. And uh, Bobby would do this thing when we were working at a church in Atlanta where somebody would come up in a conversation. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting ready to go to San Diego for a couple weeks. And uh, Bobby's like, oh, my gosh. San Diego? Bro, San Diego's amazing. One of the best cities I've ever been to. The beach? Dope. Food? Great. Weather, awesome. You got, San Diego's incredible. And I'm like, Bobby, you been to San Diego? He's like, no, nah, I've never been. I never. <laughs> then how do how, how you know all this stuff? Oh, I just, you know, I just, I just assume. It's great. <laughs> and he still does that, and I love him for it. And, uh, but I'm like, Bobby, you ain't never experienced San Diego. How are you going to talk about San Diego? But when I talk to somebody who's been to San Diego, my sister lives there now. And I hear how she talks about the weather and how she talks about 
the beach and as she talks about the culture, her experience and her witness to San Diego is so much more tangible than what Bobby's communicating. And so there's a difference in being a witness to something once we've experienced it than not having experienced it. And I believe that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit and experiencing God's presence through his spirit that we can be Jesus' witnesses wherever we go. You know, it's, and, and here's the thing. It's, it's the Holy Spirit in our life is not for us to have a better life, but I think it's for us, again, for this to be all outward so that other people can experience it. You know, when someone comes to you and they share a difficult situation that they're going through because, because you have experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be an encouraging witness to their situation. They come to you and they say, oh, man, I, I just, this just happened to me. I got a, a bad diagnosis from the doctor. And you can tell them, I remember when my mom was sick. And the doctor said there was nothing else they could do. But I remember through the power of Jesus' resurrection... And through Jesus' ascension and him sending me his spirit that is now alive in me, the same power that raised him from the dead, that power is alive in me through his Holy Spirit. I remember praying because I can go directly to God now. I can communicate directly to the greatest physician. And I remember praying and I remember telling myself, well, if my mom still has breath in her lungs, then I got to believe that her story is not over. And God turned that whole situation around. How much more is that witness going to encourage that person when you've experienced something? And so here's the thing. I believe that many of us in the room, we've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not for you to keep to yourself. But it's for you to be a witness to those around you who need to be encouraged, who need to be reminded that maybe somebody in their life who received a bad diagnosis or whatever it may be, the story's not over. It doesn't end with this difficult situation. But God's still writing the story. They still have a reason to be hopeful. They still have a reason to believe that God wants to do something in their life. But it's up to us to be a witness to that. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be Jesus' witnesses wherever we go. I can be Jesus' witness to the world because, the whole, because of the Holy Spirit's power in my life. And the last thing is this. The Holy Spirit empowers us to become like Jesus in how we live. Let me tell you, it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that my life is transformed. It is only through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in my life that I experience transformation. That I can stand here today and look back and be like, man, look at how far I've come through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm still not where I want to be, but look at how far I've come. That's not, that's not like just choosing to, to say that, Jesus, I want to believe in you, and so I'm going to change my list of morals. That's not what it is. It's, it's saying, no, 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 Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you overcame death so that I could have that same power in my life through your spirit. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Transformation is impossible without the Holy Spirit. And, and, and see, here's the thing. Some of us think that transformation is just 
choosing one list of immoral behaviors for a list of moral ones. Grace isn't, um, grace isn't about, um, I can't do this anymore. What grace is that comes from the Holy Spirit, what grace is, no, 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 I'm going to choose not to do that anymore. Because I know that there's something better for my life. And so there's so much more. It's about the triumphant power and transformation of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our King. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in us that transforms us by being our helper, being our comforter, being the one who convicts us. Not condemns us, but convicts us. Those are two different things. The Holy Spirit did not come to condemn, but the Holy Spirit did come to convict. And when he convicts us, he's not saying, oh, man, I can't believe you did this again. That's not what he's saying. But what he's saying is, hey, I need to remind you of who God says you are. I need to remind you of the grace of God that is sufficient for this situation right now. I need to remind you of the mercy of Jesus that's new for you this morning right here. I need to remind you of this love that will never fail you this morning. And so that the next time this comes up, you can choose what God has for you. The Holy Spirit comes to convict, convict us, not condemn us. He reminds us of what God has promised us, and it's when we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Part of experiencing its power in our life is choosing to live by the Spirit, not allowing the world to dictate your purpose or your plan, but allowing the Holy Spirit at work in your life to remind you of God's purpose for your life and God's plan for your life. And when you live by the Spirit, you become more like Him. And that's what it's all about. How do I become more like Jesus in my everyday life? Choosing to live by the Spirit. We can love people the same way Jesus has loved us. We can be bringers of peace and joy and kindness and goodness and point people to the faithfulness of God. Anybody been in a situation where it is utter chaos? And you walk into the room... And all of a sudden, things seem to calm down. Anybody ever have that moment? And you're like, whoa, something, something just shifted. And then me being me, like, look at me. Look at what I did. And then immediately God says, uh-uh, not so fast. It's not you. That's me in you, being a peacekeeper, peacemaker. You ever have those situations where I'm like, man, like, I, I don't even know what I said or what I did. But God moved. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we think that we have to have all the words to say, that we have to have it all figured out. We have to have the best strategy, the best process, the best system to, to make sure that this thing happens. But let me tell you, most of the time when I've seen God move, it's been when I least expected it. It's been when I didn't say a word. It's been when I didn't come in with the strategy. But God just showed up. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not to say that all those things are wrong. All of those things are great. But they should never dictate how we live our life. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we experience transformation. And we aren't transformed for ourselves, But we're transformed to be Jesus' witnesses to all of the earth. Galatians chapter 2, verses 22 to 25 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, 
There is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And my question for us this morning is this. Will we receive this gift? And will we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives every single day? I believe that many of us in this room, we've made a decision to follow Jesus. That we believe in the power of his resurrection. But if we're honest with ourselves, it stopped there. When I believe that's just the beginning. It didn't stop at the resurrection, but Jesus ascended so that he could send his spirit to be alive in you. To do the things that he's called you and created you to do. And so I want to do, we're going to do a couple things um, this morning. And uh, the first thing is this, um, with every eye closed, maybe you're in the room this morning, um, and you've never said yes to the invitation of salvation. You've never put your faith and your trust in the truth, the gospel, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin, and he rose again from the dead so that we could have the power to then choose to follow him every single day of our life. Maybe you've never said yes to the truth that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And before we move on, I want to give you that opportunity um, right now. In a moment, we're going to say a prayer all together because we believe that transformation takes place in the context of community through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and if you would say that to you, I've never said yes to the invitation of salvation. I've never said yes, I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to declare that he is my Lord and Savior. Um, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. And so if you would say that to you on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand so I know who I'm praying with, who we're praying for this morning. One, two, three. If you would say that to you this morning. I see you. Is there anybody else this morning? And church, let's pray this all together. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and my shame and making me whole again. Today, I choose through the power of your resurrection to turn from my way, to follow your way the best I know how the rest of my life. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, can we celebrate those who prayed that prayer for the first time this morning? And um, what I wanna do is take a moment. Maybe you're in the room and you say, you know what? I believe that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. But for me, if I'm honest with myself, it stopped there. And I haven't received the gift of the Holy Spirit in my life. But I want to receive that gift today. We're going to take a moment to, to pray for you if that's you. But I believe that um, I just want to, I want to take a moment to worship a little bit.
for us to kind of center our hearts um, on him, focus on him, because that's what this moment is about. And, um, and so the worship team is going to come, and they're going to sing over us for a little bit. Um, but I just believe that there, there are people in the room that if you're honest with yourself, you would say, I've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I want to receive that today. In a moment, I'm going to come back up, and, um, and some of our prayer team are going to come down um, in a moment. Um, and we just want to pray over you. We want to pray that you would receive the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to pray that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit today so that you can be empowered to be more like Jesus and to be Jesus' witness wherever you go. And to experience the constant transformational work that happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And um, there's never a point where we arrive. But this whole journey of faith is a continual process that we need to be completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. And so um, feel free to stand, feel free to sit, whatever it is you want to do. Um, but I'm just going to let the worship team sing over us. And in a moment, we'll come back. And if, if that's you, we're going to pray over you.